0: Into the Zeitgeist, the comedic research podcast, is funded by you. Thank you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash wdm1. Welcome to Into the Zeitgeist. My name is David Waters, and I'm joined as always by my friend and colleague, Shannon. Uh, the She's not playing sports anymore, Boffman. <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: no sports in war, David.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> when you're a kid, there is... <laughs> <laughs> t-shirt it's all fun and games so it's not <laughs> <So> it's war <four. laughs> yeah right oh my god some kid got scarred in this book <laughs> like so oh uh, we'll definitely get it Ooh, done but, oh, yes. fucking sweet jesus anyways sorry Jenna, mm-hmm. i have a question did you like related to that like did you play any uh, sports back in high school
1: well, I played tennis with school. you. David. Oh, did you really?
0: Okay, I was gonna uh, I was whenever really I was writing that down, I was like, I think I did play tennis with you. Literally played together. I know. <laughs> As I know. a doubles team. Do you remember <laughs> whenever that one chick got hit in the face by yes. Okay. Riley Howard is not going to like me saying this. We mentioned him the other day. Uh, Was he the one who did it? He served it and it hit one girl in the like smack dab in the face. And I was just like, oof, oof. We were at practice one day. I was like, oof, that looked like that hurt. You oh know my what? God. Though
1: one mm-hmm. time I hit your sister Crystal with my tennis racket, yeah. <laughs> and I gave her a black eye. <laughs>
0: good, good, good. I didn't like my sister back then. <laughs> like we were all like all four of my sisters. I hated them back then. <laughs> that's. I guess that's very convenient. I didn't back in school. I, I hated everyone. Well, I mean. Yeah. Besides my friends, but yeah. my family, oh my god. Could not. I know. So that work. was a dynamic, you know, stepping on Barbies in the middle of the night and then bitching at them the next day, you know. So Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot to deal with. Four sisters. Yeah. In my face all the time. I don't know. Okay, I better continue on. <laughs> um
1: I did play volleyball for like a hot second in middle school really? but um, I started on the B team and then they moved me to the C team. <laughs> um, so, yeah, sports weren't really ever my thing. I liked PE. Eh, <laughs>
0: I never liked PE. Whenever I was, I think, in seventh grade, uh, I did football for literally like a season. It sucked. I hated it. Uh, And then I tried to do track for, like, two days. And I was like, running is not my thing. Mm -hmm. Cardio is not my thing. Oh, my God. (laughs) But, yeah. You know what I was thinking about lately? What? I didn't write this in here, but, like, I've been thinking about getting uh, one of those uh, rowboat machines. Oh, yeah. The rowing Uh, machine. Yeah, rowing machine. Yeah, I've been thinking about getting one of those. I think that would be fun. I think that would be something I would do. Hm. Hmm. It's an interesting idea. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> uh, Shannon, uh Thanksgiving was recently is coming and gone.
1: Yes.
0: Um how was it for you?
1: Uh, it was alright. Can't complain. Typical turkey day. What about you?
0: Um, It was good. Yeah, I saw a few friends and I did a lot of traveling. So I'm, I'm glad I'm back home, though. God yeah. Damn, yeah. No place like home. No place Call like Call me Dorothy. Home. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. Um, let's see. For the Uninitiated, Into the Zeitgeist is our bi-weekly comedic research podcast where we explore touchstones of the past and bring them back up to be talked about and shit like that. Uh, Shannon, before we get into it, I wanted to do a bit of housekeeping, if you don't mind.
1: I guess.
0: Ah. Uh, ouch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I was going to say, we got another Patreon subscriber today. I was so pumped. Uh, our friend Keegan. I love yeah. him um we should have him on sometime that'd be fun
1: yes we
0: should choose. he should choose, choose he what said should
1: that do. he would talk about anime really yeah. i'm t-
0: so down with that
1: i don't know anything about anime but he texted and said that
0: um the, <laughs> i told you that cowboy bebop show that yeah. i was watching i believe that's an anime originally
1: but uh, now it's real life.
0: Yeah, it's like a re- <laughs> live live action, live action, yeah, yeah, live action or whatever. <laughs> and it, w- it wasn't bad. That's actually what the next bonus episode will be about.
1: That'll so, be cool.
0: Yeah, it'll be fun. So if you want to listen to us talk about or listen to me and two of my friends bitch about, uh, um, I actually we haven't recorded yet. Well, we'll talk about something. I'm sure. Uh, but it will be a good time. Go subscribe to the Patreon. Subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, definitely. Um, like, rate, review. Uh, and then last week, Shan, we talked about Earring Magic Ken. Uh, how did you like that?
1: I loved it. I think that, man, that episode in particular, I was talking to one of my coworkers about how much I appreciate doing this podcast because it forces us to think about other perspectives and that episode I think there were so many different aspects of it and ways to look at it I mean even re-listening to it it's like still just making me think about so many different things you know Mm-hmm. What do you think about it? Uh,
0: I thought it was good. Um, I made a few clips and I definitely embarrassed myself with the uh, dinosaur talk. Aww. <laughs> I was like listening to it the other day. I was like, oh my God, I got in the weeds with I that. I
1: enjoyed that yeah, though. Yeah, it was fun.
0: It was fun. I didn't know you were into Polly Pockets. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh. Um, other than that, uh, Shannon, let's get into our opening segment: purging our sins. Okay. Uh, it's your week. Tell it me is. your sins, and
1: I and so sometimes David and I cheat, and we tell each other beforehand. But I have not told him it, and in
0: the dark, as they would say.
1: <laughs> I don't know how much of it is a sin versus me just being like embarrassing and ridiculous, but. Um, I was trying to think about, you know, in our topic today, there's ideas of like peer pressure and personality and finding your own way and in first grade. (laughs) Uh
0: -oh. Oh my God, we're throwing it back. We are throwing it back. I love it.
1: In first grade, this is like, I have the clearest memory of this i can see the classroom i can see my teachers i can see the other students in the class so first grade mrs davis we're talking and learning about johnny appleseed
0: okay cool you remember i, I enjoy johnny appleseed yeah it's fictional story right fictional <laughs> Is it based on somebody real? I
1: don't know. It was first grade, David. You're not a child. I don't remember that long ago.
2: Continue. I'm sorry.
1: And so our teacher says, well, I forget. We were working on a project for it. And then she says, okay, here in just a little bit, We're going to vote on whether we want to write a journal about Johnny Appleseed or whether we want to go outside and do this project where we, like, had to find seeds or something. And, like, it was like a packet. And I was like, little Shannon was like, oh, I'd much rather do a journal than, like, whatever that is. But I had to go to the bathroom. And so, while I was in the bathroom, is when the vote happens. And so oh, I come out. That's the vote. And she's like, "So the people who want wanted Johnny Apples or to go outside for the Johnny Appleseed project um, are standing up. And then, if you want to do the journal, you'll sit down. And so the whole class is standing up." And I sat down (laughs) because I wanted to do the journal.
0: (laughs) Shannon, you got slapped in the face with democracy right there.
1: (laughs) And I I just like, isn't that funny, though, that even though it was like clear what was going to happen, I was still just like, I don't know. Maybe I thought their minds were going to change. I don't know what, what my little kid brain thought. (laughs) literally David every single kid in the class was standing up and I was the only one sitting down kids want to
0: other kids Shannon we are not uh, the typical two
1: and you have to like realize I want to use
0: alliteration on you
1: like I made an active choice to sit down like I came out of the bathroom I easily could have just walked up to the rest of the group and just you know pretended like that's what I wanted to do the whole time no, I just marched back to my desk and sat down. Pioneer,
0: <laughs> pioneer, if I've ever seen one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is uh, okay. That's a sin to you, though. Oh, oh, okay. I see. I see. Your sin was that you didn't go with the you didn't go with the grain.
1: I guess you went against the yeah, grain. I went against is that, the is grain. That was the phrase? I went against the grain, and I mean, I never did the journals, so we'll never know what I thought about Johnny Appleseed.
0: What if, what if <laughs> That's he why
1: is... I don't know if he was real or not.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> he shit, I wasn't able to do her research when she was in first grade. <laughs> Here we are today. <laughs>
1: they made me go outside. Oh,
0: my God. That's funny. That's funny shit. Oh, my God. Damn, them kids just wanted to go outside. Shannon wanted to sit and do a report. Just wanted to research her little heart out. Now here we are, uh, taking out our frustrations. Uh, I love it. Uh, no, this is it, this my is enjoyable. F-U to that it. that moment.
1: That is funny. That is
0: funny. I love it. Kids are they brutal.
1: They are. Kids are
0: brutal. Um, Shannon. Uh, do you want to introduce today's topic? I wrote it in here, but uh, if you want me to take over, I will.
1: No, I'll introduce it. Okay. I am. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, I guess we will talk a little more in reminiscing rewind. But we are talking about a separate piece by breakout novelist John Knowles. Um, and the book was released in 1959 based around a group of children at a fictional prep school referred to as the Devon School. And the book explores morality, patriotism, and the loss of innocence uh, through Gene, who narrates the book, Gene Forrester.
0: Mm, mm. I So Shannon, kind of filtering or segueing into our Reminiscing Rewind opening segment. uh, Did you read this book back in school? I did. You did. Okay. Do you remember what grade?
1: Yeah, it was 10th grade.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So you were a sophomore. Cool. I
1: was a sophomore and I remember it because our teacher, Coach Cockerel, made us do this new learning style thing that you could tell that she had just like picked up in some, you know, first teacher training. College
0: class. <laughs> and <laughs>
1: she made us make two circles, an inner circle and an outer circle with our desks. And um Different days, like, you would switch which circle you were in, and the group in the inner circle had to talk about the book, and the group in the outer circle had to write about the inner group's discussion. I kind of like that. Yeah, it wasn't awful. I just remember having to do that. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. so that's why I remember
0: all that <laughs> yeah oh okay cool cool what and uh, what did you think oh, of sorry. the book whenever you <clears throat> read it originally
1: so i guess another reason i do have that memory is i i remember being kind of defensive of dean and i have a feeling i'm gonna be defensive of him with you as well i <laughs>
0: no, i think i'm gonna be with you i'm not gonna go against the grain i think with you on this one i think we're, we're in the same boat maybe but we'll get into it we'll
1: and into it. and maybe it's because we're older um because i get it right like we'll talk more about um the plot but gene can be a little bit like you're not sure who he is and so when you're in high school you're judgmental of everyone already anyways everyone's an asshole and so you're already kind of judging people who are like preppy or sporty like all the clicks and there's those kids who want to like are trying to, like, search for themselves a little bit deeper, maybe, right. Um, right. and are having those kind of, like, inner monologues that Gene has throughout the novel. And, yeah, I remember being defensive of him. I remember skipping a lot of the um detail. There's so many descriptions of buildings and nature and...
0: A lot of uh, <laughs> what's it when you compare something or like or like a
1: metaphors uh, and similes yeah yeah, and, mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly there's literary allusions like it,
0: a lot about nature and just nature, like the, the setting like they really go into it. it's like um, New Hampshire right Best yeah is, I yeah. I believe
1: so and yeah and I remember I was a kid I just like or in high school I just skimmed right over all that but this time I I did try to be more aware of it because i'm like it's here for a reason so i i did kind of force myself to pause because i read it i know you've listened to it which Mm -hmm. i think honestly was a good idea because there's so much feeling behind it um but i read it and so i kind of had to force myself to like Take Create those in. voices. Yeah, and Appreciate and take everything. in those scenes, you know, like because mm. it's so easy to skip past that when you're That's just... why
0: you you actually physically bought the book. Yeah. And I'm sure you wrote in the margins like we all.
1: Oh yeah, I told you I went to Barnes and Noble to buy it mm-hmm. and um I walked in and this lady was like, Oh, can I help you find something? And I said, Do you have like a section? for like required reading for school. And she was like, "Uh, not exactly right now. Like, what are you looking for? And I told her a separate piece by John Knowles and she took me right to it and she was like, wow, I haven't like been asked about that one in a while. And then I went to check out and the girl, like, scanned it, and she was like, oh, my gosh, I remember this book. And, like, it was just so interesting, like...
0: I love it. I love it. <laughs> we should do... We could. We should keep the theme going of required reading for I a little know. bit. I love that.
1: I like it, too. Yeah. And, and that was something I was going to say I really enjoyed about this was actually reading a book. I mean, I do read books here and there, but... Knowing I was reading it with a purpose as well, I feel like made me more thoughtful about it, you know?
0: Oh, yeah, because, I mean, you really haven't done that probably since you were in academia. Yeah, it's been a minute. Jesus.
1: And let alone with like a whole book.
0: (laughs) Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I listened to it. Yeah, I was lazy as fuck.
1: No, I, I I don't think it's lazy to listen to it. It's long. Like I had to read it cuz I would have run out of time if I tried to listen to it. So, oh, I see, respect I you for that because Oh damn,
0: you fucking power read, you <laughs> speed reader. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: god. I wish I could do that. I, there was so many uh, the, You know what's funny? I'm going to I'm going to go off on a tangent real quick. Um, back in college there was this seminar that they would hold every once in a while i think maybe like once every semester or twice a semester about how to speed read oh yeah and i, I like, never win i never win ever but uh, I, I always saw it and i was like oh i'm gonna fucking go and <laughs> slow as shit like i i hate reading and like it's just something like i i think maybe i just picked the wrong book sometimes like the short novel is good um or a short story is good um we'll get into the length of the book and versions of it i think here in a a little bit but um yeah like i read game of thrones and that was just fucking it it drags and i'm like
1: yeah i can't
0: keep up with this i can't keep up with this but this was short and sweet short and sweet so I, i i appreciated it uh back in school i I remember yeah. reading Did it back read in it? school and, um,
1: do you remember what grade you were in? I think it
0: was, in, I think it was a junior. Okay. Um, and it wasn't bad. I remember the setting being like, um, like wintry, like, a lot yeah, of it takes I remember that winter. too um and then this kid like hurting himself and there were being a death uh but other than that and then i think maybe i thought of world war ii a little bit but i i remember the general gist mm-hmm. i just remember it being like i don't know i i'm you know what's coming to mind is like um i don't know you go watch like theater or something and it's like really dramatic like the death of caesar or something like there's a spotlight on caesar whenever he gets fucking stabbed and it's just like the we'll talk we'll get into the plot later but like at the end when uh finney falls after the debate um i only i think it even kind of he even a gene kind of narrates it as like there's a spotlight on, uh, yeah, Finney and like him, like the
1: sun, yeah. Um, and
0: I was like, oh shit, this is like some like theater, like. Um. Now that I'm thinking about it a little bit, uh, tragedy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great word for this book. Um, it's sort of a tragic coming of age story
0: yeah mm-hmm. um and, Ooh, and damn i just put that together that was good that was good
1: yeah yeah i was just gonna say i do specifically remember um finney falling from the tree i remember that and we'll go into why that happens in a little bit but yeah i remembered that he fell out of a tree and i It's one of those things that like you learn about it and then it pops up into your mind every once in a while where you're like that kid in that book just fell out of that tree like
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) bitch how
0: high was it i think maybe it describes how tall it was or i think he used some as we were talking about earlier it's like a lot of metaphors and shit so it's like probably like two of me's that's how (laughs) tall what a bitch and it was over a river too part of a river so
1: right right yeah
0: anyway uh before we get into the plot I definitely want to talk about John Knowles a little bit the author um so definitely the book like you said before was released in 1959 it started off as like a like a a short I guess a, a story like written in one of his magazines. I believe it was the Cosmopolitan that's a little later on but John Knowles was born in 1926 in West Virginia, and he graduated the Phillips Exeter Academy in Exeter, New Hampshire in 1945. So 1945, very important year in history. (laughs) uh, For anybody who doesn't know, World (laughs) War II ended that year, um, and uh, obviously there are themes of World War II in here. Literally, they're, like, scraping the railroad tracks so, like, shipments can come in for you know soldiers and sure right. it's like fucking wild uh but that's kind of like what it was kind of based off of any thoughts
1: um yeah i i listened to a podcast i think you'd actually recommended it to me called overdue and they um revisit this book in a sense um and Yeah, I I listened to them describe how um, John Knowles' um, school is supposed to be pretty similar to the Devon school where these boys go. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, yeah. It being like really closely tied with with that.
1: Um, And I think we'll talk more later, but it makes me suspicious of some. Aspects of John Knowles's life, I guess. Um, What do you mean? Just seeing how the book appears to be somewhat of a reflection of his own life and his own experience.
0: Yeah, I kind of found that as well. Like this was a deeply personal thing for him to write. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I think maybe even it goes into it a little bit, but um, fucking i'll had to i would have to look into it later but i'm sure like one of his friends like went off to world war ii like somebody he knew older right and, like, like literally like leper we'll talk about later who went crazy yeah. like i'm sure he saw some shit and, yeah. or it, you know there's always hyperbole in stories like that right you know? so it's it's kind of hard to engage i'm sure it was definitely a little bit toned down uh in a sense but nonetheless um Anyways, um, I'm not going to go. I'm not, I'm just going to skip down here. Uh, following his time at the, uh, what is it? The Academy. The, they also called it P E A P, uh, which was, I'm sure, uh, a, a hoot, a hoot in grade school. <laughs> uh, but following his time there, uh, he spent eight months serving in the U S armed forces at the end of World War II, um, he graduated in Yale in 1949, so four years after, and uh, he contributed after to uh, a, or, oh, this is his time at Yale, he um, contributed to a campus humor magazine called the Yale Record, um, which is yeah, kind of interesting. He has humor, which is not what I thought he would, <laughs> I guess you got to get your foot in the door somewhere. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but, you know, that's interesting because I didn't realize. So he did actually serve a little bit of time in the army at the end of World War II. So I imagine, you know, humor is probably a saving grace.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, this. This book is very melancholic and yeah. morose uh in its language and how it describes things in a way like it's i always like when i read the book or i listened to it i always felt like it was super gloomy like it was always gloomy up there in like new hampshire where they were at
1: i almost get the impression it's like maybe he needed the humor magazine to like sort of escape for a minute before he could push himself to write this, you know?
0: Yeah. Like I said, foot in the door. I think, I think maybe that's, uh, you know, he was in college. That's kind of where we found ourselves and our love for research and things like that. So, yeah. Um, apparently he actually his time there. Like apparently I did not find, I did not find a source for this. So take it with a grain of salt. He was a record holding varsity swimmer during his sophomore year. Which is really wild.
1: Yeah, especially since uh, Finney is a record-holding swimmer. Oh, oh, (laughs) shit, I did not even put that together.
2: That's so awesome. Okay, okay. That's
0: cool. I like it. Um, Oh, we'll talk about that more. I love it. Uh, He also uh, wrote uh, for the Hartford Courant afterwards. Uh, It's the largest daily newspaper in Kentucky what or connecticut <laughs> uh, not kentucky oh my god thank you shannon for correcting me oh my god That's that is so not funny. i just sold a c scene i, I was like <laughs> uh hard c oh my god connecticut uh, largest mm. daily newspaper in connecticut um mm. He was also an assistant editor for the Holiday Magazine. I didn't know much about the Holiday Magazine. It's um, American Travel Magazine, oh. published from 1946 to 1977. Uh, rib- originally published by the Curtis Publishing Company, Holiday's circulation grew to more than 1 million subscribers at its height. The magazine employed writers such as Truman uh, Capote. Capote, Capote, Joan Didion, mm-hmm. uh, Lawrence Durrell, James Michener, and E.B. White, and I like highlighted E.B. White here because he he I did not know that he wrote he wrote Stuart Little. Yeah, I did not know
1: that. Yeah, I did not
0: know that. Uh, but I did know Charlotte's Web. That's where yeah. I it was,
1: and that's um, that's so interesting. Uh,
0: rubbing shoulders with E.B. White. Oh my God, that's yeah. like such a that's such a nineteen forty six thing to do.
2: I know.
1: <laughs> um, that's so funny because uh, Truman Capote. Okay. First thing I want to say is I would love to see like the aesthetic of this magazine. Like I'm just imagining 1946 to 1977. These have got to be the best looking There's got to be some
0: crazy ass fonts there. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> that's my first thought. And then, uh, it's so funny that it mentions, um, Truman Capote. Uh, I. um, There is like a short story that he wrote that, um, in an episode of Seinfeld, George Cassandra's supposed to read it. And then someone's like, just watch the movie. Um, but it made me think we should add Truman Capote to our list as a future episode. And now I'm thinking we should have E.B. White as a future episode. Maybe even Charlotte's Web. Oh yeah. That's a good idea. You're hearing it live. Right. (laughs) Oh my God. What's that? uh, Who said that?
0: That's a good topic idea. Uh, what's his face? fuck it we're gonna do it live um i'll have to look that up
1: (laughs) i don't know i thought i said it (laughs)
0: Uh, well i'm
1: kidding it's like an old 90s thing yeah
0: um nonetheless um from with encouragement from a colleague he started to write novels after that point um and unfortunately he died in 2001 he lived in fort lauderdale which was i thought kind of I could chuckle about that
1: because he's, he he's old and he retired in Florida. Hey, yeah. uh, typical. He, he
0: experienced nine eleven and then he died. So, oh <laughs> yeah. Well, he saw the fallout. Yikes! Yikes! I didn't read. Florida. I didn't read how he died, but
1: um. Well, so does I'm wondering. Do you know how old he was? That's a seventy-five. Is that how old he was?
0: Uh, he was born in. 46? 26. 26? So oh, no. How old He was is 74. 74. 74, okay. 74, 75. I can't remember. Yeah. Um. Yeah, geez. I mean, he's old. He lived a long and happy life.
2: I don't know how wrote, happy. <laughs> wrote. <laughs> this, of,
0: well, this book, is like I said, is very morose and melancholic, <laughs> like I can all imagine. I don't. Have you read a, any of his other books?
1: No, I haven't. No. Did you look into any of them?
0: No, no um i just really enjoy this one so i was like yeah. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go f- further with it yeah apparently
1: i think there's like a prequel or sequel that was written after a separate piece i think it's a sequel but it doesn't have any of the same characters or and it's like a uh, different yeah, plot i think, it was, I think was overdue a, talked uh, yeah, about overdue that
0: did talk about it a little bit um Yeah, we're not going to talk about that here, people. Sorry. Sorry. Go listen
1: to that. It was a good time. (laughs) Okay, Shannon.
0: Do you mind if I talk about the plot real quick? Let's
1: do it. All right.
0: So Gene Forrester returns to his old prep school, the Devon School, 15 years after he graduated uh, to visit two places he regards as fearful sights: a flight of marble stairs and a big tree by the river. Is called the Devon River. Uh, these sites b- brings memories back to Gene, who from this point on in the novel, uh, follow his description of the summer of 1942 to the summer of 1943. In 1942, he was 16 and living at the Devon School with his best friend and roommate, Phineas, and nicknamed Finney. Uh, World War II is taking place and has a prominent effect on the story's plot and characters. Gene uh, and Finney, despite being opposites in personality, are surprisingly close friends. Gene's uh, quiet, introverted, intellectual personality is a character foil for Finney's extroverted, carefree athleticism. Uh, One of Finney's ideas during their quote-unquote gypsy summer of 1942 is to create a quote-unquote super suicide society of the summer session uh, with Gene and Finney as charter members. Uh, Finney creates a rite of initiation by having members jump uh, into the Devon River from a large tall tree. Uh, Gene and Finney's friendship goes through a period of one-sided rivalry, during which Gene strives to outdo Finney academically, since he believes Finney is trying to outdo him athletically. Um, Did I say that right? Yeah. Um, The rivalry begins with Gene's jealousy towards Finney. It climaxes and ends when, as... Finny and Jean are about to jump off the tree. I'm sorry. It climaxes and ends as Finny and Jean are about to jump off the tree. Jean impulsively jounces the branch they are standing on, which causes Finny to fall and shatter his leg, which permanently cripples him. Uh, because of his accident, Finny learns that he will never again be able to compete in sports, which are most dear to him. Finny's accident inspires Gene to think more like his friend to become a better person, free of envy. The remainder of the remainder of story revolves around Gene's attempts to come to grips with who he is, uh, why he shook the branch, and how he will proceed. Gene feels so guilty that he eventually tells Finney that he caused the fall at first finney does not believe him uh world war ii soon occupies the schoolboys' time with the student brinker hadley rallying the boys to keep the war effort and gene's quiet friend leper Lapelier. oh
1: blue i don't know how no, to say leper that.
0: lepelier oh uh well, that's how it, that's how it was pronounced in the audio book, Shannon. No
1: wonder he went AWOL. <laughs> oh, Lord,
0: oh, Lord. Uh, But Leper... Okay, so Brinker Hadley rallies the boys in the war, war effort. And uh, he also... Gene's quiet friend, Leper Lapellier. Mm. join the ski troops uh, becoming severely traumatized by what he sees Uh, during a meeting of the golden fleece debating society brinker hadley uh, sets up a mock trial of sorts and based upon his based upon his shaking of the branch accuses gene of trying to kill finney uh, faced with evidence that Leper uh, presents, uh, which was really an odd point. And I was like, oh, my God, they fucking brought
1: in. It's kind the, of like, like it, it
0: kind of at that point. Or uh, OK, I'm going to save it. I'm gonna save. OK. It. Uh, <laughs> faced with the evidence that Leper presents, Finney leaves shamefully before Gene's deed is confirmed. Uh, on his way out, Finney falls down a flight of marble stairs, uh, the same <laughs> one that Gene visits at the beginning of the novel and again breaks his leg uh that he had shattered before finney at first dismisses jean's attempts to apologize as he goes to his um hospital room but he soon realizes that the accident was impulsive and not premeditated or based on anger uh the two forgive each other the next day finney dies uh during an operation to set the bone when bone marrow enters his bloodstream during the surgery uh, after they graduate, uh, Gene enlists in the Navy. Uh, Gene observes that uh, many people lash out at others to protect themselves from their own insecurities. Uh, the only person he knew that did not do that was Finney. The only person Gene knew to be truly honest. And the only person Gene knew never to have an internal war to fight.
1: Mm. Ooh. How was- not a love story (laughs) um
0: yeah it's 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 more it's more i don't we were before i got done with it like this right after i say that right, right after i get done with all this shannon what comes to mind for you like just reactionary like uh what i said this little plot um what was your i guess maybe maybe i'll ask you what your favorite part of the book was
1: hmm that's a good question my favorite part um i mark some pages um let me
0: i have to say they talk about it in a few places but the obviously when the climax of the book is whenever finney is jounced off of the branch and he breaks his leg originally like that's This, this book's funny because I think it has two climaxes. Um, One, whenever um, he falls out of the tree and then two, whenever he uh, gets kind of called out at this uh, debating society. Um, Those are like, I think the two best parts, you know,
1: when he gets called out, but yeah. Oh, the Hadley has such a
0: fucking beef. Like, like I don't know what the fuck up was breaker Hadley, but, but
1: but you know someone like him, like oh totally. That's why this book is so perfect for high schoolers because they can identify every character in their okay, life. Okay, Shannon,
0: I'm gonna have to.
1: Okay, David, I had to think about it. So, and I wanted to read a, a passage about it because. Um, My favorite part is when they go to the beach together, Finney Ah, and Jean. Good part. Um, part. And there's this passage um, that I think, I don't know, I noted it and I, I think it's great. It says the last words of Finney's usual nighttime monologue were, I hope you're having a pretty good time here. I know I kind of dragged you away at the point of a gun, but after all, you can't come to the shore with just anybody and you can't come by yourself. And at this teenage period in life, the proper person is your best pal. He hesitated and then added, which is what you are. And there was a silence on his dune.
0: Uh, When he tells him he's his best friend. Yeah. Yeah. That is powerful. That is powerful.
1: And it I don't know. There's just something special about the way Finney is that I'm sure we're gonna get more into, but
0: Finney he, and Gene themselves, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. And in I guess maybe what what I mean is Finny, Finney's expression of himself it's it's almost like as poised as Jean's Inner thoughts that we read You know
0: Wait okay are you saying Like cause Gene the- is the narrator Are we, are we mm-hmm. talking about Jean's perception of Finney Or are we talking about the
1: So based on
0: Imagined Finney's consciousness I guess
1: No I? so like Finney like, uh, like based on like Things Gene tells us that he says I think he just he has like a certain wisdom to him in a recognition of the world that a lot of teenagers are searching for. I see. And I think with Gene, he doesn't express it outwardly, but we see that side of him, um, you know, internally in his head through his narrative.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah he's a deep thinker Yeah, yeah he's very like it kind of reminds me of true detective and and that dude uh, matthew McConaughey's yeah. character and he's just like really like pontificates all the time yeah. and, like he's morose and melancholic and i'm sure i'm gonna say that a billion more times before we get done but um that's maybe one of the reasons i really like this book but um i don't know me now that you say that it it it's having me rethink my favorite parts. Not the climaxes. I think probably my favorite part of it is I mentioned it earlier. It had like the Caesar's death moment, like yeah. the spotlight was on him on the marble stairs. That's a great part. But then following up when he goes to visit him in yeah. the hospital and he like like that's that's where a big like. I wouldn't say comfort that's probably where the the most they talked about it and I I was gonna ask you to if you would look that up um but it's in that part in particular that's when like a lot of the heavy feeling came out for I mean he he did it before like uh previously but then was like nah nah like I don't believe that you like sure ever since he said like nobody forgets something like that i think like it was always in the back of finney's mind but he played it against something else Um, yeah but um I, i don't know exactly where i was going with that thought but um nonetheless that part afterwards that's where a lot of like the heavy emotions come out and like he realizes that Fenny definitely jumps the like I yeah, in the end he like he, he admits it to him once. He admits it to Leper. He meant and yeah. then he like is called out in this fucking debate club, uh, which is really like well, Felt like kind of undergroundish. <laughs> like, it's like after all the... What do like, they call the, that room? It was like an auditorium or something. But it was
1: like a basement. They had like a name for it that was like super cheesy. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Like, not a dungeon, but something like that.
0: When you were in sixth grade, did you call certain buildings like certain things? And, I don't know. Like crazy fucking names like they did? Yeah, no. No. no I don't think so.
1: But like... I mean, this is like a fancy school. But, uh, yeah. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah. Prep school. Prep school. Yeah. But no, I, w- I would definitely say those. That's like, I'd, I'd have to say that's my favorite part because that's when a lot of emotion comes out, I think. Um, and then, like, he. Finney dies right after. Um, and.
1: Oh, wait. So that scene itself is your favorite.
0: Yeah. I think whenever he goes to visit him and he tells him to like, leave, he tells Gene to leave. Cause he just doesn't Or Oh, wait, no, that's when they make up. Uh, I'm, I apologize. I apologize. Um, he kind of like, I don't know, brings it up and there's is that when Finney's at home. It's right after it's right after the, um, after he falls down the marble stairs like after that scene or after that little you know bit
1: okay david okay. we found your favorite part
0: oh would you would you read it for which
1: us which is it's really a it's i think this is an underrated um really deep moment um yeah and so After, like we were kind of saying, after Finney falls down the marble stairs, he's taken to the infirmary again. Um, And so Gene, I I believe it's late at night. And so Gene has to sneak in to go and see him. And so he sneaks in through a window. um, Or I don't think he actually enters the room. I think he just kind of sticks his head into the window. And he whispers Finney sharply into Finney's black room. Who is it, he demanded, leaning out from the bed so that the light fell waveringly on his face. Then he recognized me, and I thought at first he was going to get out of the bed and help me through the window. He struggled clumsily for such a length of time that even my mind, shocked and slowed as it had been, was able to formulate two realizations, that his leg was bound so that he could not move very well, and that he was struggling to unleash his hate against me. I came to, you want to break something else in me is why you're here, he thrashed wildly in the darkness, the bed groaning under him and the sheets hissing as he fought against them, but he was not going to be able to get me because his matchless coordination was gone. He couldn't even get up from the bed. I want to fix your leg up, I said crazily, but in a perfectly natural tone of voice, which made my words sound even crazier, even to me. You'll fix my and he arched out, lunging hopelessly into the space between us. He arched out and then he fell. His legs fell onto the bed, his hands falling with a loud slap against the floor. And then after a pause, all the tension drained out of him and he let his head come slowly down between his hands. He had not hurt himself, but he brought his head slowly down between his hands and rested it against the floor. Not moving, not making any sound. I almost picture that like he's almost in a prayer position and right. then um Gene says, I'm sorry. I said blindly, I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
0: Damn, yeah.
1: And that's the last thing he says.
0: That's uh strong, strong stuff. Yeah. Wait, that was that was the last thing he said. Like he fell down into the, and then he left.
1: Gene says, I'm sorry, and then Vinny dies a little while later. Damn.
0: Damn. That's wild. Um, yeah. No. My favorite part. Definitely. Um, a lot of emotion, like I think you said. That
1: imagery, like you just how you can picture his head and his hands, like just almost like you've given up, you know, but.
0: Right. Yeah. So, Shannon, uh, I guess after our initial reactions on our favorite parts, uh, I want to go one by one by some of the biggest personalities in the story, okay. starting with Gene, the narrator. <laughs> what, uh, what, I guess, what do you want to talk about with him? What sticks out to you?
1: So, I think Gene reminds me a lot of main characters and coming-of-age stories in... um. The sort of expectation of discovering yourself, but then realizing it's not something you discover, you kind of create who you are. And um, I think he gets a lot of judgment, especially probably from high schoolers, because he comes off as being like this jealous um, calculating character. But really, that's not who he is. And I think it just kind of reinforces that coming of age um, theme that you see a lot where you're misunderstood. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, uh, I get the guy. I like him. I don't necessarily. I think when I first read this book and as a teenager, I strongly identified with Gene. Um now I um, am thankful that I saw myself more in reading it this time. Um but I almost feel like that's how it should be and that's what's a unique experience about this book.
0: Yeah, I would definitely say Gene has a self-esteem problem. Yeah. I, I would say like I I think that was apparent to me definitely reading it the first time. Yeah or, uh, for the second time, excuse me, or listening to it. Um but yeah, yeah. And it's actually funny. I kind of like, I put myself in Jane's shoes. I was like, oh my God. Like, okay. Now that I'm, I was really glad that I chose this book because it kind of, I don't know, kind of uh, actualized a lot of feelings that I kind of had. Yeah. Maybe at, I wouldn't say at that time in school, like, cause he's like a, I don't know, a sophomore, sophomore or junior. Or, well, I guess he graduates. So, like, i guess yeah um, you it's hard what to do they really call it? upperclassmen years yeah yeah, yeah. um but nonetheless, then the last um maybe those feelings that i was kind of having because i was like oh my god everybody fucking hates me and yeah like uh, but i still have my best friend and like oh my god what if my best friend hates me like uh yeah. like and that and that's like that's yeah that's a self-esteem thing for sure. And I guess that's kind of why I put myself in his shoes. And so I felt that. And then I go, I guess, segueing into uh, Finney and how we feel about him. Um, Phineas reminds me of, of a few people in my life who are like big personalities and like mm. it kind of, it, I don't know. Um, it's happened a few times, like where I don't know. They're, I feel like maybe their ego in my personal life, I'm not going to name out any names, but, uh, their egos just got so big that it kind of, I don't know.
1: Wow. I did not read. Over
0: blue, I guess, are, would you call it? He says best friend there, like maybe in the middle of the book, but overblown, um, acquaintanceship like blew this like top off this acquaintanceship or like best friend you know it could it can go either way
1: i you know? did not read this as Finny having an ego like or like an ego problem or like like at all like at any well point.
0: in in uh, gene's eyes he thinks Finny has an ego problem i didn't even in kind of like creating this story in his own mind of oh yes
1: he, okay uh, oh specifically in gene's mind yes i would agree right, with that right maybe
0: I, and i thought at first i thought at first that yes finney was aware of his huge ego and was taking advantage of it like an mm a master manipulator would and i was like okay maybe maybe but a little bit later on in the book you see some of finney's uh, like true emotions come out like at the beach is a good example mm-hmm. um that you read and and then the carnival as games. well as you know that last part yeah carnival games is good
1: um and that okay so i i don't think that finney and and maybe it's just me not wanting it because i i i I get what you're saying about him having a big personality. And I didn't get that at first, but I I would be inclined to agree with you on that. And I don't necessarily see myself in him that way, but what I noticed about Finney and you're, you're right. Like he does sometimes tend to like take charge in this weird way, but I felt like every time that happened, it had to do in response to something that made the war feel closer to him. And so all of these things that he was like orchestrating were his way of pushing that away. It was, it was, he was separating the peace from the war.
0: I definitely want to, Well, pause. I mean, I'll pause it here in a little bit, but I want to read that line where he actually says that. Cause that was very, per- that was another good part of the book where they say the name of the book in the book.
1: Oh, I don't like he created re- really a
0: separate it. piece or something like that. He was talking about Finney. Specifically. Yes. Yes. I think. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, interesting. That's an interesting thought.
1: Like, yeah. It, and I honestly, I, I think too, when I first read this, I kind of thought Finney was like up his ass, but reading it now and really picking up on those details about like the war and the time period and like his his really big reactions like i'm pretty sure the carnival comes right after gene tells him he's thinking about enlisting
0: yeah yeah i think so
1: so like to me i just saw that as him reacting to like oh, like, that's war. I don't want you to think about it. I don't want to think about that. That's not real. He literally says at the beginning of the book, the war isn't real. Yeah, yeah.
0: he was, Um, like, arguing that it wasn't real. It was weird.
1: And I I think that's, like, kind of, like, his way to cope with, like, knowing what's coming.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. I kind of felt like I knew from the beginning that he wasn't going, because that's just, but I said, like, Finney or Gene, excuse me, has a, definitely a self esteem issue. And like, I just knew he wasn't going to like commit to that. And I think maybe even Finney knew that to a certain extent because he was so close with him. But um, I don't know if Finney, I don't, being that close with somebody, I can't imagine that you don't pick up on things like that, you know?
1: But I think, I mean,
0: grade school is a different story, but you
1: know. I think that uh, Finney recognized in Gene that. Jean wasn't someone who had this warhead either. Like that's why part of why I think Finney sort of chose Jean because all of these other boys, like pretty much any time they talk, it's war, 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 this, that, we're going to do this. This happened in whatever country that happened in whatever country. And
0: are you saying Finney wasn't a part of that? Right. I had to disagree. I think he talked about the war a lot
1: he literally said there's no war well (laughs) i mean
0: in that way and then like later on whenever he like this was pre this is pre-breaking his leg originally Mm. from jumping from the tree post he doesn't really mention it too much but he's still like i don't know oh i guess he doesn't acknowledge it because he can't did, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but he like, does he continue that sentiment after his leg gets broken? Like
1: that was my impression. Like, okay. and and maybe I'm saying this. Maybe you're right. Maybe he is has consideration for the war, but I I really just think he is such like he's a pacifist that's the thing we see over and over about him and i think that that is just so ingrained to him he can't grasp what war is
0: yeah yeah seems like he had such a i don't know uh Dream version of what a I don't know.
1: Yeah, because none of them—they're teenage what war, boys. War is
0: hell. He was like, "War is, I don't know heaven or something." I don't know.
1: Like they, yeah, they. None of them—they're all so naive. I, I even. Marked.
0: I think yeah, and this and this kind of leads into. I think chronologically, we kind of talk more about. Uh, it goes and Gene talks about uh, leper La Yes. Um. And I, that's a great segue into it because, Leper. He. This was Leper. Was the nickname. I think. The, I think he has a longer name. I think Leper was the shortened version of it. Um. I'd have to look. But
1: um, David. Well. Yeah. Leper is a shortened version of his last name. That'd be. But I mean, so they nicknamed him. They
0: nicknamed him, which is really. We're kind not of
1: sure what his first name is. I think. Yeah. <laughs> what what I say? You said they call him Leper, which is a shortened version of his name, but you're not sure what that name was.
0: His first name, right?
1: David. Right. His name is Leper, the the Pelier, L, E P E, and then they just put the R for Leper. Do you hmm. not see that? Leper. It, do you not see how they Hold took? On. I'm looking. His first name? Elwyn.
0: Elwyn Leper Lepelier. Okay. Elwyn was his first name.
1: Yeah, and they called him Leper. Yeah, because
0: his last name. Oh, I
1: wonder if they call him Leper or if they call him Lepe. I don't know are we saying that right? I think leper
0: is just le- funny beer. like be I mean, like ha ha no. leprosy <laughs> That's what I was thinking Yeah, like fucking sure. teenage kids boys. yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know uh but anyway getting getting back to the topic um uh, yeah it definitely shows the other side like definitely war is hell on leper side of things like oh my god he like I think I said he went into like the there was a point they were like skiing and he was like, oh, I fucking love skiing and I should fucking do that in World War Two. And he actually actually goes and does it. And he gets fucked up. <laughs> he gets fucked up mentally. He sees some shit. And he was um, he goes into he goes, I think another good part of the book is whenever he goes uh, Jean goes to visit Lepper yes. um, at his home. I can't remember what state it was in. It's, it's a little far off, but same as uh, uh, it was police, in Vermont, Vermont uh but yeah whenever he goes to visit him like and he's lepers telling him like kind of honestly like being like kind of i would be if i was in gene's situation i'd be like oh my god this guy's gonna fucking like slit my throat any minute like oh my god like ptsd to the max
1: no but gene doesn't understand that concept of ptsd yeah yeah that's what you okay, have to remember yeah, this is this
0: is from a third person view i guess I'm, I'm saying but um when leper was describing like he is seeing like people's faces like change, like while he's looking at it and like dead appendages, dead bodies, like for arms, for chairs. And it was just, it was like, so you could, you could see that leper was fucked up by the war. Like definitely some PTSD, but I don't know if Gene actualized what that meant, but cause I mean, maybe hanging out with Finney, you know, that, lighter side of war um, after seeing that like it might be I don't know that I think that was another changing point maybe in um, Jean's thinking uh, maybe not on the Finney situation but in another aspect of the- this is I think where the loss of innocence comes in definitely
1: yeah and you know what now that you say that I almost feel like Finney understood that war was the ultimate loss of innocence and he wasn't ready for that and that's why he you know, makes it this sort of imagined ideal.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: But um, yeah, the, it's funny that you brought up the leper thing. I got the impression that leper went AWOL. Did you think he was like kicked out because of his, like Didn't experiencing mental that he illness? Didn't he was like
0: I don't know discharged dishonorably or something. I don't know. Maybe you don't does. have to look, but um. But oh, it was section section eight or something because he like was crazy. OK, yeah, he was he like started like he just snapped at one point and they were like, dude, you're fucking crazy. You can't be in the army anymore.
1: And <laughs> so you can't he, be in the
0: snow, you know, whatever.
1: So he gets back. Leper gets back to his home, um, like his home home, not the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and he writes to Jean and says that he escaped and that he needs to come to see him. And so Jean decides to go and then there's um, this passage and I I wrote the word naive next to it. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. And so I reached the town at dawn and encouraged by the returning light and coffee in a thick white cup. I accepted a hopeful interpretation. Leper had, quote unquote, escaped. You didn't, quote unquote, escape from the army. So he must have escaped from something else. The most logical thing a soldier escapes from is danger, death, the enemy. Since Leper hadn't been overseas, the enemy must have been in this country. And the only enemies in this country would be spies. Leper had escaped from spies. (laughs) Like this is The, the
0: things you make up in your mind when you're a child.
1: I know. And it's so that is naive. And, and that was something that gave me such an almost like unsettling feeling as I read this book, because the Devon Academy, it comes off as it's supposed to be like this military academy to prepare you for war. And Gene's what we decided he's about to graduate. So he's I, and they're trying to get him to enlist. So he's at least 17. Um, and he's come to this conclusion of spies Like why it seems to me the school is almost um, perpetuating the false ideas that Vinny is saying because these boys have no realistic expectation or understanding of the trauma of war.
0: Right. Well, I guess then uh, did Leopard like drop out? Did he like is that? what he did technically he like dropped out to go join because he was old enough he enlisted oh okay and so
1: there's a passage in the book i i marked it but i won't look it up but i found it interesting because it was talking about um when you're 17 either you enlist or you wait and you get drafted and it was like the sort of like oh enlisting is honorable you mentioned later on patriotic you know it's it's like you should do. Mm. Meanwhile, mm. Finney convinces G not to. And I don't think it's like, cause he's saying like, get drafted. I think he's saying you deserve more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I realized that more and more once after Finney had broken his leg the first time. Uh, because afterwards he, he, he like there's Finney definitely, like you said, has that. I think it was, they went to the beach before he broke his leg. But afterwards, like, Finney definitely got a little bit more, uh, I would say sentimental yes, is a good word that's a to, great word. Uh, put to it um, about their friendship and that he wanted to continue being friends with him. And then, like, so uh, what I was saying is that, uh, like, from Finney's POV, um, I guess, and maybe even a third person POV, you can, you can... as the reader i think you can tell that finney truly believes that gene was his best friend and like it was definitely turned on his head for gene though like i think the whole time he was just like he was like oh my god he's holding this grudge against me after i like mentioned the mention like i did like jounce the or you know shake the limb and made him fall or whatever or you know nonetheless i'm sorry i'm kind of just rambling but
1: well i think that finney genuinely loves gene and we can talk more about what that means later but i mean regardless of how you want to look at that i think gene struggles with accepting the love
0: oh yeah that's a good point that's a good point. It's kind of hard once you got that self-esteem thing. So
1: Yeah, exactly. It's almost like he feels like he doesn't deserve it.
0: Right. Uh, let's talk about Brinker Hadley next. Uh, what's, your, what's your thoughts on him?
1: He's just like your jock character.
0: Boom. You, <laughs> you put the words right to me. Yeah, you read my mind. <laughs> You remember mind. Like, That's exactly what I was thinking. I thought, like, the whole time he was around, I thought he had a letter jacket, like, letterman jacket on. I was just like, oh, you fucking bitch.
1: Right? Yes. Okay. A letterman jacket. Um,
0: he would totally be the one to, like, call out somebody but be like, oh, like, everybody, look, this guy, like, he did something bad, and I gotta, like, confront his friend about it. I was like, oh, my God. He's like... He was like in he it's like his own interest it's not in yeah. it's not in Finney's interest it's just he wanted to fucking stir the pot he wanted to fucking stir the pot
1: However, I do think that Brinker has probably one of the most realistic expectations of the war and that I think he sort of understands like the potential of violence and danger involved that the other boys don't necessarily, or haven't really necessarily come to terms with. In, in what way. ways? I don't know. I just think like just his general attitude and, and there's uh so there's a minute there. Is it, isn't it Brinker where Gene has the room to himself and is it, is it Brinker that's across the hall from him? uh yeah, oh no yeah. no that's quackenbush you left quackenbush i did i did <laughs> quackenbush out.
0: that's a great name by the way and yeah.
1: i remember laughing so hard at that because sorry i'm going so off track I know, but i, I don't even that. really no, know what to say about brinker anymore fuck him yeah. um but quackenbush it made me laugh out loud because earlier in the book gene is talking about how Finny does not really like to read because he can't believe um, the names that characters are given in novels. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's Quackenbush. And I yeah. was like, oh my gosh, John oh. Knowles. Right. I just to throw that one. In there. <laughs>
0: I love that. I love that. I would love. Ooh. I'm going to, right after this podcast, I'm going to remark- put a note on my phone. Like, my child's middle name is being Quackenbush. <laughs> Definitely. Quackenbush. Definitely. David Quackenbush Waters Jr. <laughs> is he
1: the one that Overdue says um, is, like, it was supposed to be based on Gore Vidal? I have no clue who that is. So, Gore Vidal was kind of like a... Uh, let me see if I can find like a quick description of him. Mm-hmm. He, because um, I know they bring him up in that overdue podcast. He was a writer and intellectual. Um, he was a pretty witty guy, but um, he 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 he's sort of uh, mm, I don't know the best way to put this. But um, let me just read what uh, this wiki says real quick. It okay. says. Um, He was a writer. He was bisexual. And in his novels and essays, he interrogated um, the social and cultural sexual norms he perceived as driving American life. Um, And there's a really great uh, documentary, I want to say, about him and... Yes, I think it's called "Best of Enemies," and it's about him and um, William F. Buckley, and they basically were these just two like ideological opposites who would debate each other, um, and it was just wit against wit, basically. But um, Gore Vidal obviously had the more progressive views, and. Um. Um, I think it's telling that v- Vidal was. We'll get to this later. But I think it's telling that he was bisexual. <clears throat> okay.
0: <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Um, that I can't name, remember that, that name. That was rings and a bush. bell, and I was like,
1: hmm, okay. They mentioned that in overdue. Y'all should probably listen to that one too. Why not, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Check out the show notes uh shannon i uh, know that we talked about a lot of the characters i, w- I kind of want to get into the themes um i think the first one i've written down here and that i want to talk about is friendship i think yeah. that's apparent throughout the the whole book um just short novel i guess i would say um i wanted to uh, go ahead and read this it's uh It says, a study performed at the University of Texas at Austin examined over 9,000 American adolescents to determine how their engagement in problematic behavior, such as stealing, fighting, and truancy, was related to their friendships. Uh, Findings indicated that adolescents were less likely to engage in problem behavior uh, when their friends did well in school participated in school activities avoided drinking and had good mental health the opposite was found regarding adolescents who did engage in pro- problematic behavior whether adolescents were influenced by their friends to engage in their problem behavior depended on how much they were exposed to those friends and whether they and their french friendship groups quote fit in unquote at school Um. Shannon, after hearing this, I wanted to ask you, um, do you think that the relationship that Finney and Gene shared would be considered as a friendship? At least, I'll let you expand more on it, but maybe answer from Gene's perspective and maybe a third-person perspective. Um, It seems... As though that they, in my opinion, it seems as though they were in opposition to one another, at least in Gene's mind, throughout the whole novel. Uh, Oh, yeah, I wrote, (laughs) at least from Gene's perspective. Is it a friendly rivalry, Um, like sports leagues and military units, you think?
1: Okay, I've been holding this in because we're going to talk about this again at the end, but... I just I can't leave out the way that I read this book, because from the very beginning, I was like, there's some like, what's that word? Not chemistry, but there's something going on between these two. And I'm like, what's up here? Raise eyebrow. Um, Where I, I, I think to me, I think that. I'll admit, like, I think an argument can be made there at an all-boys school. How can you really learn about coming of age in, like, a sexual way when there's, you know, not the opposite sex around? But the way this book is written, so many passages in here, I'm just like, and I mentioned this to you earlier, but I'm, I'm going to bring it up now. Um, I think... That when we first read this book, um, I mean, for me, that would have been 2009. Yeah. So it's probably 2010 for you, maybe. Yeah. Um, I, there, that, that was a time before, so gay marriage wasn't legal, um, yeah, right. even then. Um, and. There was this tendency to say where people would say or describe things that they didn't like or thought were weird or whatever, they would say, Oh, that's gay. Mm-hmm. Um very common. And that was so common that I think it sort of like ruined what does have the potential for us to say that's gay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's literally my reaction to half this book. <laughs> and it's infuriating because I think that that's a positive thing and it should be. And I'm not saying that you have to read this book this way. I think it's absolutely valid to read it as friendship love. But I think for me, and the reason I wanted to go into that is because I think that Gene is grappling with that love in sort of that line of what it means to him. Is it just friendship or is it something more?
0: Whenever I read this book, both the first and second times, I had no, no feeling like that. There was more to their friendship than just that. Um, I thought it was very complex Um, uh, definitely, yeah, saying so, um, Gene, I think I was, I came to mind earlier. I think Gene does a good job in two things, which is really ironic. I think he's good at overanalyzing things, but, um, also being very spot on with some things, uh, like kind of, you mentioned his naiveness, um, earlier, whenever he mentioned, like he went to go visit leper. Um, and I, this is bringing like looping back in the self esteem thing. I think like, this is like what I took from it is that this is something that you can just, a drama that you can create in your own mind. Uh, Gene creates this fucking, like, almost, like, to me, it seems like I brought up the theater, like, with Caesar earlier. Yeah, I think that's great. I think, I think in his head, it's just, like, literally a tragedy. Like, and he, pacifist, but what's where you just don't, you don't care about anything? Apathetic. yeah, Apathy. yeah. Did you say that earlier? Mm-mm. No. Yeah, I would definitely say yeah. Very apathetic to the whole thing. Like he's like kind of just cruising through life. Like Finny. No, not Finny. Not Finny. Gene. Um, he just like has this very morose. Finny, I think, is more upbeat and like mm, bright. I don't think about anybody life. in this
1: book is. I don't think upbeat's the right word for it's. Finny is more like. And and some of the other boys too they're or maybe maybe it's that innocence piece like yeah
0: I was just about to say yeah I think I think that they're so they're still innocent from the like in regards to the war they don't really ignorant know in a way yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly exactly
1: um but you mentioned rivalry and I had marked this earlier and I saw that question and I actually marked this page because I was ready for it mm-hmm. um because. I let me just read what it says. So Finney is, um, reflecting after. I think this, this is still before he falls into or falls from the tree. It's actually right before they're about to go up it. Ah. Um, so he says we followed our gigantic shadows across the campus and Phineas began talking in wild French to give me a little extra practice. I said, nothing. My mind exploring the new dimensions of isolation around me. Any fear I ever had of the tree was nothing besides this. It wasn't my neck, but my understanding, which was menaced. He had never been jealous of me for a second. Now I knew that there never was and never could have been any rivalry between us. I was not of the same quality as he.
0: Mm. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, earmarked that because that's a, that's a good retort.
1: Well, because it it is so like instinctual to go, this is a rivalry. But to me, that's not. It it's some sort of other tension, and um, like
0: he's jealous. Like, I, Gina, I, I thought don't I, think I, that's
1: I, a tension either, David, and it's because, and I. Again, I don't think that your perspective or is wrong in mm-hmm. any way. I think you can make a case in point about anything. But yeah. Yeah. after Gin- Finny falls from the tree, what does Gene do? I'm asking you. Do you remember what he know. does? Yeah, you,
0: you, 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 you he say. goes
1: back to their room. He's by himself. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what he does? No. So he pulls out Finny's clothes.
0: <gasps> he does. He does. Okay. Okay.
1: And he puts on specifically a, a pink shirt that only Finny would wear.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. Yeah.
1: They didn't have to mention the color of that shirt, but they did. Right. And he puts those clothes on and he is like, to me, I don't think, and you might have taken this out, but at, at some point I read a thought and I thought it was yours, but maybe it wasn't about how, um, what was I going to say? How Jean sort of doesn't really is like depends on Finny for his personality what like I he's think, an
0: extension of Finny.
1: Yeah, but I don't think that that is actually what's happening in that scene. Mm-hmm. I feel like Gene is in a sense trying it out like what is it like to be Finny who seems to be this kind person and um lives his truth to an extent from what we see of course we only see gene's perspective of that um but i i don't see it as like gene wants to be finny i i see it as like he wants to be with him
0: Mm -hmm. i see i think this leads good like kind of It leads good. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, It leads well into this next uh, theme of like dependency, codependency I wrote down here. Yeah. Um, In sociology, codependency is a concept that attempts to characterize imbalanced relationships where one person enables another person's self-destructive tendencies, such as addiction, poor mental health, immaturity, irresponsibility, or underachievement and or undermines the other person's relationship uh you can see uh, imo um you can see gene's submissive nature leads him to lacking personality without phineas and i think this is kind of tying into what you you were saying right before i Mm -hmm. i think that it it is apparent after Finney falls. I think I think that's apparent. You know, after Finney falls, like, uh, like he's like subservient to Finney. and uh, I don't I don't know. In some weird way, uh, like he's guilty. He feels guilty. Obviously, he feels. Oh my god, Gene feels so much uh, guiltiness. But uh, other students are always asking him where Finney was or how he was, and like he was always expected to rep- like report on. <laughs> Sometimes like when it's kinda of like whenever I I live with my roommate, like when I go visit some of our friends, they're like, Hey, where's your roommate at? Ha ha ha. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's like we're just yeah. closely tied because we live yeah. in the same house, you know? Um, but yeah.
1: Oh, what do you think of that? Wow. Okay. First of all, I wanted to say I really like that you put down this idea because I do think that it is a um valid way to Sort of suggest that, like, my argument could be wrong um, through this, like, codependence lens. Um, the first thing I think about that is I think that sometimes when you love someone, even like platonically, it can sort of be perceived as codependency. So, for example, you and your roommate, <laughs> oh, sure. um, I wouldn't, I would not call you codependent but i can just tell when you're together that and and there's not like necessarily a lot of people around y'all can just be yourselves right and i can only imagine what that's like when i'm not here too you know like it's wild it's this so now after i thought about that i was like wow wow no wonder you saw yourself as Gene uh, because your roommate is Finny.
0: Yeah, I was thinking that. I didn't want to tell JT that. Like, I like. I was well, like, I left his re- name
1: out of it. You're the one that brought it. My, my roommate. Yeah, I say his name all the time. Lord.
0: No, but like, and see, I think our relationship is different from Gene, like my roommate JT, and my yes. relationship is different from Gene and Finny's, is because like. I've told JT like you're one of my best friends before. Like I know, I know him very well. He knows me very well. Like literally, like you said, when you're not here, like I can be myself. When Gene and Finney are by themselves, Gene is in his head. He's. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm kind of. I kind of think of it too. Like there's, you know, you you have good to, good and bad days, but. um I at least know in the end that JT's like really rooting for me. But from Gene's POV about Finney, like, I don't know if.
1: if there's that tension yeah, that isn't there with you. Can with you can cut it with a motherfucking room.
0: cake knife. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think it's sexual. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, I, mean,
1: I mean, I think you could also see it as, um... I mean, you could see it as teenage angst. I, wouldn't I would say jealousy, buy that. And
0: maybe a mix of like. He feels like I said it earlier, guilty after he falls like jealousy at first that he's like athletic. He broke a record without even trying a swimming record without even trying.
1: But jealousy doesn't create just that kind of tension. There's something like more there. I feel like almost. I don't think
0: I don't think it's needed, honestly, because like I'm okay. I can speak from like I definitely have self-esteem issues like. Being worried or I don't think I actually i I set that up right, but like I don't think you need more than the thought of somebody hating you to really deter you like I don't know, make you act weird in a way I don't yeah, know. yeah but I
1: don't think that's necessarily jealousy. I absolutely agree with what you're saying,
0: okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: good.
0: I don't even know where I was going yeah. But no, I, I
1: think you're right And you know what, throughout this book There were so many times where I drew a line And I would ask, what is this feeling? Like, I know I can, like, relate to it But I couldn't name it And I feel like that's what's happening to us right now Because you know there's, like, something to that experience Of feeling that And I just think it's it's You're right, it has to do with your self-esteem I think jealousy is a piece of it, but I'm not sure what, like, the all-encompassing word you call it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, like like I said before, I think jealousy was sprinkled in, like, um, I think before Finney, broke his leg, fell out of the tree, broke his leg. And then from that point on, it was obviously feeling guilty, like, because he broke his leg and then super guilty whenever he fucking died from it. Um, and he kind of, like, had to live with that. Continuing on,
1: what's Um, what's that called when you like, um, you you feel like you need to like cause yourself harm because you've like embarrassed yourself? What's what's that word where you're like um, self? uh, um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, not like destruction or something. Um, um, I don't know.
0: Attention. No, you say
1: it. You've said it before. You'll be like, I don't want to. Um or you'll you'll say i'm a oh you know I'm a glutton for punishment uh, <laughs> okay
0: okay oh yeah 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 i I think I've said this in a different way. Like with somebody else p- previously, but sometimes, like when I have a bad day, I just want to motherfucking sulk. I don't want to like I want to be morose. I want to be melancholic and shit like that. And I mean, Gene takes it to a whole another fucking level. But
1: he's uh, a glutton for it, though. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Whatever it is, if he's like a maybe he's a glutton for jealousy. I don't know. It's like I he- think that
0: tension is <laughs> just in. I, I don't know. I don't want to go deeper into what maybe Finney's because we're we only get the POV of Gene, but yeah like at least in gene's mind like there was some tension cake to cut you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so yeah shannon moving on um i think i want to talk about i didn't have much here but there's another theme of like identity and then collective identity i think um identity as a person uh but then i think examples of collective identity like it going to this prep school the devon school um as it's called war the experience the war war. yeah like soldiers like their collective identity as soldiers um and
1: that's not to say you can't have like individual trauma but it's like you know there's like a collective sort of understanding of The ramifications Mm -hmm. of what's happening.
0: Right. I wrote down here that identity is uh, the qualities, beliefs, personality, looks, and or expressions that make a person or group uh, uh, Yeah, that make a person or group. Uh, One can regard the awareness and the categorizing of identity as positive or as destructive, while collective identity is the shared sense of belonging to a group. So thoughts, Shannon?
1: Yeah. um, So we kind of talked about what collective identity means. I think I agree with that uh, definition of identity. Um, I think that, yeah, there's just so much of what makes us who we are. And um, I think a lot of time, you know, like like you said, Gene, and I don't think we're necessarily judging him this way, but Gene will get judged as being like an extension of uh, Finney. But I think it's because he's still sort of working on his identity. And I I don't think that your identity is something that's static. It's something that... Morphs. Yeah.
0: Transforms.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's interesting that you say that because I, I, it was kind of simmering. I didn't know kind of how to put the words to it. But I think this in the background um is a story about somebody finding their own identity like weaning their self off of that codependency into like hey i'm gonna be more independent i have my own self i have my own morals like i'm not Mm. following somebody else because i mean in this sense it kind of felt like at the beginning before he kind of fell and then all these feelings came into place the I don't know, like he kind of just took on the person or like the beliefs of, of Finney, but he slowly throughout this weird process, like came to know himself, especially after he visited Leper, had this whole like being called out debacle, Finny dying and then growing up and uh, just becoming. I mean, at the beginning of the book, I think it's a good part of it, I think uh, he kind of It definitely, I liked that first part. I really enjoyed that it it showed him after the fact, like, I don't know, reflecting on these two places and how much, like, it affected him and him being able to comprehend that. Um, I think that was something special, and then they went back to why it felt, why he felt those feelings that he described in that first section, so um i don't know i don't know yeah and i read, and that's i just love this fucking book because like it's so thick with like i don't know it makes me it, it's one that like there's a thought train for me and i just go i can go down a fucking rabbit hole oh, i love this book oh,
1: and i God. mean we're not even addressing like the illusions or allegories in the yeah. short podcast but there's so much in it but to kind of go back to what you said and to segue i think to then next thing that you want to talk about Mm -hmm. but for me I think um instead of like it being this sort of codependency thing it was more of like I do feel like Finney wanted himself and Gene to have this collective identity because he loved him so much and cared about him so much but Gene is Finney is so in denial about the war that Gene can't get on that level and meet him in that place that he's at because even though he doesn't have – it's like kind of still an out of sight, out of mind thing, he recognizes – you know he's up next to take his turn for war i think jean does and but at the same time i still think the two of them and maybe some of the other boys that are touched on it's they're touched on because they aren't necessarily assimilating to that american um patriotic idea of like we have to go to the war to defend our country they're kind of like
0: you know what the analogy that I just thought of? I was thinking, like, if Gene's Jean, life was, like, a highway, straight highway, straight on, I think that Finney is the road, like, the pavement. Like, he is, taking, he is taking the journey, like, his life, like, his morals, I guess, with him. And then these side characters, like Quackenbush, Leper. Mm-hmm. Brinker are guardrails for mm-hmm. his thinking. Um, Like he's that. like, okay, like I need to like push back on maybe a little bit of this. I think maybe. Finney, maybe even in I parts, maybe that. was guardrails for him. I don't know. Even, and, even him being the pavement, it's kind of weird. No, to I think love about, that. No, um,
1: you're, yeah. that is beautiful. And too, I think that also speaks back to Like it's almost as if Finney sees those boys as those guardrails and that's why he's so quick to jump to be the leader because he knows if he's not, his like denial of war and his perspective on life are going to get shut down.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah, it's interesting to think of Finney. And Gene's going to be
1: persuaded to the other side. Like, you know, I almost feel like Finney is more codependent on Gene than Gene is on Finney
0: that's a good argument i think i see both i see both like arguments yeah very valid like powerful valid arguments yeah no oh fuck that's that's deep yeah
1: because
0: that's i mean you don't really think about that because it's kind of the other way around kind of forcing your face but
1: yeah yeah. but then when you think about it like gene like once finny is out of the picture gene's talking to other boys like he's kind of just going about his own way he went
0: to a smoking room to go smoke them cigarettes there you go <laughs> yeah. um some basement somewhere oh my god it's weird
1: it's when Finny comes back that it's like finney drives that force i think like he or is the road for it <laughs> however you want to look at it <laughs> but yeah sorry that's that thought kind of got lost but
0: yeah. No, I think, I think that was great. I think that was a great little, like, I mean, we didn't end it on the top, but yeah. I think, I think that was great. Oh my gosh. Um, Shannon, one last uh, theme I want to get into is maybe denial. Yeah. Wrote, that's
1: why I wanted to say that
0: I wrote here, uh, initial short-term denial can be a good thing. Uh, giving time to adjust to painful or uh, stressful issue. Um, it might also be a precursor to some sort of change in one's life, but denial can also be harmful. If denial persists and prevents a person from taking appropriate action, it's a harmful response. Uh, Shannon, I, have, I wrote a question here. Um, do you think that Jane benefited from the denial before being confronted at the debate hall?
1: Like, was it a good thing? Because I mean
0: he Like I said throughout this whole podcast He he was feeling guilty about it God damn But like at first before he went to um, Finny the first time I was like yo Bruh I fucked up Like really like you need to analyze me as your friend And like really choose if you want me to be in your life You know
1: Oh so are you saying like when Finny stands up for him At the like trial and, Oh like-
0: no, no 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 This is like uh, so he hit Finney had uh, fell from the tree, broke his leg. Um, Gene was like, I guess, I don't know if he like specifies it specifically, but he, I think he knew that he had a wrongdoing in that situation. Um, like in the back. Cause I mean, he even describes it as like, it was literally like in the back of his mind, literally like he wasn't, it kind of seems second-hand to him, like uh, involuntary in a Yeah, way. Yeah, like that he jounced this and he, like, had this feeling. I don't know if it was ever named until, like, I don't know. I don't know what part of the book it would be named in, but um, I don't know. I don't think... It was, it was simmering, I think that's where the guilt feeling comes in. Like, it, it came from that, and then uh, I guess... Well, and I think Gene being—I i think maybe I'm getting a little off topic, but like uh, Gene, before realizing that it was guilt, like that denial of him, like doing that, do you think that benefited him at all? Like, do you think it was better for him to confront that? I, I don't know. Um,
1: just yeah, what and do I, you know, I get what I get what you're saying because I think whether or not Gene decided within himself if he did it on purpose or not at the end of the day he did it and it happened yeah and i think regardless i i think that guilt would have been with him even if he knew like i didn't do that on purpose like and for me i think it's because he loves finny and you can see it as because there there's the rivalry there you can make a lot of different cases for why that could be the case but i think that in a way that denial did kind of benefit him because it sort of showed him like a different perspective on how he thinks and feels about Finney. And, you know, whether that is good or not, at least he was kind of thinking about that in a way that not a lot of teenagers would consider. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting at first I was going to say no until you said all that stuff you said before that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. Damn Shannon. Uh, So that wraps up the themes. Um, I think that was great. Um, I guess I don't know about you, but like this, I I mean it's required reading in school. I think, I think because it is so like, I, I imagine it is like a, a knitted quilt or something there's just so many threads that like intersect and, and like the war thread and then the you know the you know I don't know homoerotic tensions or you know if, it, if that be a threat in there and then this guilt self-esteem coming threat. of age yeah coming of age like it's just, yeah it's it's weird that how all this interweaves and um I think the public definitely agreed with us uh because in 1960 it won a New York Times bestseller for uh oh, fiction yeah. Uh, won the 1961 William Faulkner Foundation Award being the inaugural winner. Also in 1961 was a finalist for the National Book Award for fiction.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I don't think we mentioned this earlier, but we were talking before we did the podcast. And um, it's like I said, I bought this book. It's like a chapter book. It's pretty thick. I mean, I think it took me like, Two and a half weeks to read it. And that wasn't like straight reading it every day or anything. Mm-hmm. But um the book we had in school looks significantly different and seemed significantly shorter. And I do feel like what I read didn't include everything I read in this version.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that was something we should have brought up earlier. Like I think maybe I read a, I don't know, listened to a different version. Because like you said, you. Brought I think a book you, you listen
1: a... to the same version that I did, uh. but I th- or that I read. Mm-hmm. But I think that both of us originally read a different, like, shorter version. Ah, uh, I see. But the one you listened to was really long, because I went to listen to it, too. And I was like, oh, I don't have time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was like six, eight hours or something. I, I would listen to it after work every day, like Aww. on the way home, you yeah. know. I love that. It was a nice, nice tradition for a little while.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I can't recall exactly what they cut out. I was thinking maybe the part where he tries on his clothes, but I feel like I actually remember reading that. Um, it could have been some of the scenes where they go into that, like, smoke place where they yeah. go to smoke i could see them cutting that out for school for whatever stupid oh, reason I, oh okay that
0: <laughs> makes sense that makes sense um shannon let's get into our closing segments uh oh okay actually uh, yeah, i say closing segments I'm but excited. i actually want to propose to you something um what do you think about making the i love the thinking cap Like, whenever you brought that up originally, I was like, oh, that's
1: such a good idea. Do you want
0: to make that an official closing segment? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool, cool. So we have two opening segments, Reminiscing Rewind and Purging Our Sins, and our closing is Thinking Cap and Conspiracy Corner. Ooh,
1: look at us. I love
0: it, I love it. So, Shannon, I wrote down a few things here, or excuse me, Thinking Cap uh, segment. Uh, Which character do you see yourself as, and why?
1: Yeah, so... Definitely as I read it, I, I saw a lot of myself in Finny. um, just like his personality, at least now, when I first started, not so much, but now Finny, just like his, you know, like you have to live life now, you have to care about people, you have to be kind, you have to have an imagination, you have to want to, um, want more for yourself, thinking beyond violence, beyond the war. Um, I just felt like I really related to him and a lot of his perspective and the things he would say to Gene. And it's so funny because it's Gene's, you know, telling us the story. And it's it's funny how you'll read things that Finney says to Gene that are just like so silly. Like, I don't know, like his whole carnival games, blitz ball or whatever, like oh, blitz ball He yeah. comes mm-hmm. up with like the wackiest things. Yeah, that and was
0: weird. that was a weird one.
1: It's so silly silly but it's like
0: literally you're making up the rules as it goes yeah it is Crazy. it's so
1: funny because you could just picture finney just having like the best time like he's free and i think um he's he, the
0: dictator of his own thoughts yeah yeah gene? no no finney
1: Finny? yeah yeah i love that you're right and whereas gene I mean, is not. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He needs the. He needs to see what the people say first. And right. I think that's okay when you're a teenager, as long as you are using those impressions to form what'll ultimately become yourself. Damn, that's a good
0: takeaway. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Shannon, uh, I I would definitely I've said it throughout this whole podcast. I think my I connect definitely to to Gene yeah. uh, the most. Yeah, just that self esteem uh thing i was like oh my god when i was listening to it and i was like oh my god like literally i was like i had this like i had kind of i think pause in the car like i was like oh oh i can't remember i can't remember the specific part i think it was whenever um finney had fell from the tree and he started to feel that guilt like he had like unknowingly done the deed um him talking about that guilt and like how much it like stung. Oh my, I had to pause. I had to pause the recording and I was like, yo, like I have, I've had that exact same thought. Like, oh my God, like I am literal piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. And, and so, yeah, no, that's why exactly why I relate to Jean so much. Oh my God.
1: I am glad you said that. Cause I do think that Jean is very relatable and, it, but part of that, though, is John Knowles' writing. Like, holy shit. Like, sometimes I would read something like what you said, and I'm like, how does he know exactly how I felt before? Like, right. what the hell? Like, yeah,
0: I pa- I paused it for a good, like, minute and just kind of, like, sat on that thought. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay, that's, uh, that's intense.
1: There Oops. were definitely moments that I had to, like, put the book down because... Um, I was like oh wow that was like super deep um so like okay all right this is one of the passages where I I wrote what is this feeling um and it it is when is this I believe this is after Vinny falls out of the tree um And But he's come back, and him and Gene, I believe, are at dinner. And it says, And now when we were served chicken livers for dinner, I couldn't help conceiving a mental picture of President Roosevelt and my father and Finney's father and numbers of other large old men sitting down to porterhouse steak in some elaborate but secluded men's secret society room. When a letter from home told me that a trip to visit relatives had been canceled because of gas rationing, it was easy to visualize my father smiling silently with knowing eyes, at least as easy as it was to imagine an American force crawling through the jungles of a place called Guadal Guadalcanal. Guadalcanal, Guadalcanal yeah. Wherever that is, as Phineas uh, said. <laughs> <laughs> um And I made a note of like that feeling because when he says that he got that letter that he's not going to be able to see his family and he's like literally on the verge of like, he's filled with this anticipation of being on the verge of going to war and he can't like, he can't be with his father. And so he has to visualize him and yeah, just like the way he compares that to imagining um soldiers crawling through a jungle like yeah I, I made a note like what's that feeling what is this comparison like but it, i somehow still get it you know
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i get that yeah
1: it's indescribable but i still get it
0: mm-hmm. it's very like i was thinking earlier it's like sometimes whenever you're reading like especially when i'm reading like our outline documents for the podcast like Sometimes you don't realize that things are italicized until you go back and reread them, like, oh, okay, okay. Like, yeah. I, I get you. I get you. But uh, no, that's just what I was thinking at the top, But uh, Shannon, I got one more question for you okay. for thinking out. Uh Do you believe that you could do something involuntarily? Uh, like when Jean jostled the branch of the tree?
1: Mm, I don't believe it. It would be involuntary, like I don't the intention. Um, have you ever seen Mean Girls? I have. It makes me think of um so there's that scene where um Katie and Regina are fighting outside school and then um Regina steps back and she gets hit by a bus. Yeah. Yeah. And then Classic. there's that scene at the dance where the boy is like, I'm going to vote for Regina because she got hit by a bus. And then the other boy's like, I'm voting for Katie because she pushed her.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: yes.
1: <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier. Like, that is what the scene makes me think of.
0: Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like, come on, you know, if you did or didn't do something. And so I, I don't think that knowing myself and having the self-awareness I know now that I could involuntarily do something um could I intentionally like push someone out of a tree no but could I intentionally like tell someone I like their haircut when I don't yeah absolutely (laughs) oh
0: wow wow i like that you gave two different examples there yeah um for me i've always i've always thought that i could do things involuntary because i have adhd and i was like okay like I've, i've like going 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 like sometimes sometimes it's gotten so it got so bad back in the day whenever the pandemic was going on but i would like be in the kitchen making something to eat um and i grabbed like a knife out of the the drawer to like make a sandwich or whatever get the Mm comments or whatever and then like i mean like it's like rewind i did that involuntarily and i looked at the counter and there was already a knife there and i already grabbed another knife so i was like oh shit oh shit i just completely forgot that i got this knife okay literally two probably even like a millisecond right before like or this like i don't know 15 seconds right before yeah. you know and i'm like fuck and i was uh, that i think that was the point when i was like oh i need to talk to somebody uh
1: Yeah. No. Okay. So that I get, I guess. So yeah. Like there have been times where I've gone to look for my phone when it's in my hand. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay. Okay. Good point. Good
1: point. We all
0: have those momentary lapses. So David, let me ask you
1: this because this is how I was thinking of the question. Do you think you could do something involuntarily that would affect someone else? Oh, Oh no, definitely not. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I I just don't think it's possible. And I think that Gene is, like, reconciling with that fact um, because he knows he did it, but he is just struggling with the why of it.
0: Well, and see, maybe that's even the feelings I was having after, like, experiencing that. Like, I saw the, I grab, I had the knife in my hand and I turned back around and I saw the knife that I just grabbed off the counter. Like, me coming to grips with that, maybe that's even, maybe, like, I don't know, a similar feeling that Gene maybe had in that situation. Yeah, that's yeah. a great...
1: That's a great way to think about it. Like, oh, shit. Like,
0: like, oh, fuck. OK, maybe I did fuck up. Like, oh, or like I did do something, you know, or I don't know. I don't
1: know. And then Finney, I mean, confuses him worse. Like, that's not even Gene's fault because Finney is quick to be like, you didn't do this to me on purpose because and part of that is in a very valid argument against them being gay would be because um, Finney is so genuine and kind and caring that like he can't believe that someone would do something so malicious mm. um and so i i think oh, shit. in order for finney to like it's almost like finney has that feeling too after he falls it's like he gets the same feeling and in order for him to like get past that he has to tell himself that no one could do that on purpose fuck <laughs>
0: holy fuck okay shannon let's get into our other closing segment thank you for the thinking cap i had a lot of fun thinking about all those tendrils yeah,
1: there's a lot there
0: i know i know a lot more than i thought
1: A lot actually. to unpack i mean we didn't even unpack it all yeah i know we didn't even really
0: talk about the beach and all that that fun jazz and i don't know we can definitely separate into more i think Uh, maybe we'll talk about more in reflections i'm Mm -hmm. sure
1: or maybe in this next part Ooh, yeah yeah oh yeah i
0: I was like where am i at in the outline oh my god i can't find it sorry i had to pause the podcast and grab something um so conspiracy corner Um, I put implied question mark, question mark, question mark, uh, homoerotic undertones.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: I have here, but I think I'm going to pull it straight from Wikipedia because I think it it capsulates it a little bit better. Uh, okay, so this is another I was talking to you earlier I wasn't able to find the source so there was a source here it's the American Library Association mm. but their site didn't load for me so I do apologize I wasn't able to get into the nitty gritty of it Um, but I'm just going to read this here various parties have asserted that the novel implies homoeroticism between Jean and Finney including those uh, who endorse a queer reading of the novel and those who condemn homosexuality as immoral Uh, for example the book was challenged in the verona verona Sherrill, new york school district in 1980 as a filthy trash sex novel despite having no substantial female characters and describing no sexual activity Uh, Though frequently taught in U.S. high schools, curricula related to a separate piece typically ignore a possible homoerotic reading in favor of engaging with the book as a historical novel or coming-of-age story. Knowles denies any such intention, stating in a 1987 newspaper interview, uh, Freud said any strong relationship between two men contains a homoerotic element. If so, in this case, both characters are totally unaware of it. It would have uh, changed everything. It, would have, it wouldn't It would have been the same story. In that time and that place, my characters would have behaved totally different. If there had been homoeroticism between Finney and Gene, I would have uh, put it in the book, I assure you. It simply wasn't there
1: okay so i have a lot of responses to that so i'm going to pause you okay um because i do actually have so in the book that i bought there's an afterward um by um a writer named david Levithan, um and he has a response to that but the first thing i want to point out is that um so he gave that, he made that statement, John Knowles did in 1987. So, um, you know, there wasn't much, I, I don't think that significant progress had been made towards acceptance of the queer community at that time. Oh, so, yeah. um, I mean, for all I know, John Knowles is the one still grappling with denial. I right,
0: hate Jesus. <laughs> um,
1: but anyways, um, Levithan, uh, writes, he says, so there, there is the context and the subtext within Gene and Phineas's friendship. The context being, it is 1942 and the boys are seeing their relationship through the lens of their time, not ours. The subtext is, there's clearly love and desire between Jean and Phineas, but what kind? Um, uh, Levithan yeah. then um, quotes what you just said from Knowles, but then he goes on to say, this is what the book means to me. Wait, no, I'm sorry. So this is what he says in response to what um, John, no- what David said John Knowles gave in that interview. So okay. Levithan says, this is what the book means to mean," And I completely accept if there's any gay desire, neither Phineas nor Jean is consciously aware of it. But when it comes to what the story means to me, so much of what Knowles writes gets to the heart of what it could have or what it would have been like to be gay at that time and what it can still be like to be gay now. I'm actually going to read a little bit more of what he says real quick.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and because Levithan says, I'm not just talking about the pink shirt. Um, and he does uh, refer to this quote. I remember marking it. It says, um, I wonder what would happen if I looked like a fairy to everyone, Phineas says, adding, well, in in case suitors begin clamoring at the door, you can tell them I'm wearing this as an emblem. And that's when he puts on, that's when Phineas is wearing his pink shirt. Um, And then when Jean wears it, it seems standing there in Phineas' triumphant shirt that I would never stumble through the confusions of my own character again. So much of what Knowles writes about War or youth or friendship also resonates with the love that, to borrow the phrase, so often dared not to speak its name. Many gay men, years later, look back and see both their fear and their willful escape from it. If you broke the rules, then they broke you. We can relate to that. Or, I was used to feeling something deadly and things that attracted me. There was... Always something deadly, lurking in anything I wanted, anything I loved. And, of course, the beautiful haunting line at the end of Jean and Phineas's day at the beach together. Perhaps I was stopped by that level of feeling, deeper than thought, which contains the truth. So, Knowles did not write about two boys who know they are gay or have gay, conscious gay feelings, but he certainly created a compelling resonance for boys who do.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, yeah, th- nobody was conscious of like these two main characters, not conscious of that. And I think, but it is. I think that's yeah. That's a great point. That yeah, because I mean, I was thinking about it afterwards. Like, definitely, there's. I mean, you're at a. Was it all boys prep school? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like.
1: Yeah. Exactly. That's kind Come of what on. I was saying earlier. But, um, you know, I heard this phrase once that fear is the absence of love. And I think that the boys at the school, knowing what they were there for, what their next step in life was, I feel like they were so consumed by fear that they didn't have time to have that self-discovery moment to really understand what love meant to them.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. They were too busy being groomed for exactly. what, what was coming next. Yeah. That's a great way to war, put that. You know, so. i glad uh, you sh-
1: sh- used that word. That's, that's really what happens. Yeah. And I think throughout, uh, or at some point in the, um, outline too, you mentioned it's, it's propaganda. Like, um, and you see that a lot through this. Um, oh, yeah. it, it makes me think when we, um, talked about the chicks and when you talked about the, the Patriot, just sort of like that um the antagonism that nationalism can can bring. It's it's like nationalism is divisive.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: It's it but people try to treat it as something like a collective identity.
0: Right. Damn. Yeah. yeah. A lot like you said earlier, a lot to unpack here. But Shannon, I want to ask you specifically. I don't know if – yeah, I'm going to let you go first. What's your takeaway for this?
1: Yeah, my takeaway is that um, you are allowed to change. You're allowed to learn and grow and change. And you can still be yourself throughout that process. Sorry, I know that's kind of your takeaway, but I'm not trying to steal your takeaway. I'm just trying to say that like you – you, you don't have to stay static and maybe I should put it this way. You don't just have to see the world from your own perspective.
0: Hmm. No, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I think I'm going to take a different vein and that I'm not going to talk about anything like, I don't know, like, uh, it's kind of hard to, for me to form it at the moment, but like I don't know, being aware of those povs, like I don't know. Gene, um, in my opinion, Gene, yeah. in my opinion, was so secluded, and so closed off from many yes. thoughts and different ways of thinking,
2: yes,
0: that it honestly kind of obstructed him and his emotional growth personal growth whatever you want to call it yes that's
1: so good i'm sorry i'm gonna interrupt you but that is so good because that's why like he creates that tension because he doesn't understand how phineas can have this perspective and be this way he wants it but he can't get it
0: it's framed as though it's a very like i said like like i don't know Rivalry
1: It's framed that way, yeah Yeah,
0: and it's not. it's not
1: It's not. It's about the point of view Yes, yes, yes Good job, David Wow,
0: so <laughs> Another great takeaway <laughs> I love it, I love this book, Shane This is a gr- probably one of my favorite books of all time There's, uh, there's another book that I really love uh, Called The Road by Cormac McCarthy Which I would really love to do an episode on Maybe down the line Okay uh, but this is another one of my favorites of all time. I love this fucking book. I have to
1: say this just because um I was talking with a coworker recently about this book. Have you ever read The Catcher in the Rye? I have not. So there's is a ver- that book is one of my favorite books. A lot of people don't like it because and it's funny because I think the main character in Catcher in the Rye is Holden Caulfield, and I think he comes Him and Gene are a lot alike. Like you just see how he only sees the world in like tunnel vision through his Mm. own way um he has some different experiences but um yeah that book's my favorite book i and i think having read that and then reading this which i don't think was the original case for me um and i guess too having a better understanding of what coming of age means to me Yeah, this book is precious.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's no wonder it won all those awards. I I literally cannot. I cannot. uh, Like, if you made it to this point in the podcast and not read that bitch, I I feel sorry for you. Or listen to it. Or listen to it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I really recommend that you do go. Um, But don't want, no,
1: don't just quote us up people that's yeah, right. me. <laughs> just talk at us <laughs> that's
0: what I do sometimes <laughs> uh shannon, let's kind of wrap up i wanna I wanna remind everybody to go subscribe to the patreon, our Facebook, our Instagram, and to like, rate, and review. Um, I also wanted to give my uncle a shout out. Um, he is a country music artist. Oh my god! And so him, I, I met him. I saw him at our Thanksgiving out in East Texas with my grandparents, and um, I wanted to give him a shout out because I listened to a few of his songs. I listened to something that uh, he's working on and that'll come out in February, which. Are oh my god! Like, it, like uncle. I was just. It's, what's his name, David? Are you
1: allowed to say it?
0: Yes. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but it's Wade Lynch music. Um, yeah. and it was uh, Wade Lynch. That's my uncle. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, no. I listened to uh one of his new songs. He you know did and I don't know. I love the country music. We were talking about what's the, the like, chicks.
1: Yeah. What's like the style? Was it like old chicks, uh, new chicks?
0: Um, I think. It reminds me, I don't know. There's this kind of general vibe of country that I get, like okay. from all country, and I think it's like a nice blend okay. um, of that. I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's like the chicks really kind of. I think it's like a little bit more Toby Keith ish. Okay, but I don't know. He he is a very solemn man, like myself, very mel- melancholic, and so I really appreciate the I like lyrics. I think Tim is
1: more that way than Toby Keith. Oh, that's a good that's a good <laughs> comparison.
0: I think it's good. But so uh, yeah, I'll put his uh, Facebook page and his SoundCloud in the show notes. So go check it out. That's so cool. Yeah, uh, Shannon, what are we going to talk about next week?
1: We're going to talk about Wishbone.
0: Woo, Which I love that show.
1: Yeah, I just got to tell people it was filmed in our own backyard and we didn't even know.
0: I know, I know. Shannon came over and told me that today and was like, God damn. Like, uh, Where
1: were we? We're, <laughs>
0: right, yeah, we were literally right down 380. <laughs> literally a highway. Like, Seriously. drove there in like two hours <laughs> or an hour and just some change. Right? Depending on how fast you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chill.
1: We could have stolen that dog. Oh my god!
0: Hey, bro, that dog is dead. I'm sorry. I know. I know. We'll talk about it more. That
1: was so sad. He's dead, like Finny. Wishbone Finney. one. Wishbone fourteen.
0: <laughs> oh my god,
1: that's Gene though. He's like, okay, this is Finny number two. Oh my god.
0: Hey, leper, what's going on? <laughs> oh my oh, god, that was a right. nice laugh to wrap everything up.
1: Yeah. We couldn't leave it oh you did (laughs)
0: Uh, shannon um i don't know if you want to like sign off
1: i need you to sign off and then i thought of something to oh
0: really okay (laughs) i was gonna say i gotta go push some kids out of some trees
1: i gotta go help them up
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's good leave his ass broken (laughs) just kidding (laughs) bye everybody The Zeitgeist is a bi-weekly podcast recorded in the DFW, Austin, and San Antonio areas in the state of Texas. The podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, David Lonnie Waters. My co-host and researcher for the show is Shannon Boffman. As you know, all of our shows are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash wdm one The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and for that, we're stoked for your sponsorship. Lone Star Aeronautics, Sharon, and Keegan Gunther.